You're listening to the sermon podcast of North Valley Baptist Church. This week's message is preached by Ryan McKean. Today we will be uh, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, um, as uh, Pastor Scott left off for us last week. Um, and we will be continuing the section that we've been in in 1 Thessalonians, where Paul was ex- uh, explaining his concern for the Thessalonians. Uh, since Paul had been torn away from them, and we will we will get into that as we go. But before we start this morning, let's read uh, this passage, First um, Thessalonians chapter three, verses six through thirteen. It says, "But now Timothy has come to us from you, and he has brought to us the good news of your faith and love, reported that you always remember us kindly, and long to see us as we long to see you. And for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction." We have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake, before our God, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith? Now may may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So we can see here in this passage, Paul is expressing his relief at the report he heard of the Thessalonians. So have you ever felt great relief over something? You've really been relieved at, at something you've heard or seen or some news you've, you've received. As I thought about this passage, I thought of a couple examples of this in my own life, a couple experiences where I had felt great relief. The first one that I thought of is I grew up on a dairy farm. Uh, my siblings and I worked on our dairy farm from a very young age. We we would work uh, doing all the different chores and, and, and gathering crops and milking the cows. And I remember one day very vividly that we were working together, my brothers and I and my father, uh, all working out in the field. And we were gathering our grass crop in at that time. And we were working in a field that was pretty close to our farm. So you could, everyone could see each other. We were all working uh, in the same field. We could all see what each other was doing. And I remember my brother Kyle, who's who's the next youngest after me, I think he was around 12 or 13 at the time. Uh, So we were were fairly young. We were doing doing this field work. And I remember, I can't remember exactly why, but I I remember seeing him get off the tractor for something. And and like he did all the time, he got off the tractor and whatever he was doing, when he turned around to get back on the tractor, the tractor had started rolling a little bit in the field. The field was on a little bit of a slope, but it wasn't rolling too fast. Um, so he, he decided he would run and jump back on the tractor to, to bring it to a stop. Well, as he was running to jump on the tractor, the tractor started moving a little faster. And as he went to jump and grab 
the, the tractor and step on, onto the, to the step, his foot slipped. And he slipped off the, the tractor and went right underneath it. And the tractor rolled right over him. And my, I know my father was in the same field, and I was, I was there too. I remember seeing it happen. And I don't remember who else was around, but I do remember there was several of us there watching it. And, and as we saw it happen, it was almost surreal. It was like time stood still. It was, did that really just happen? That he slipped and went into the tractor and it rolled right over top of him. And our hearts almost stopped. Like, what's, what happened? Is he, is he okay? My dad was the closest one to him and he went running over to see how he was and, and, and how, he was, how he was doing after, after this happened and, and to see what had happened. Now, thankfully, my brother, he was just fine somehow. You see, God had, when he jumped to get on the tractor, God had placed him in a little indent or furrow in the ground where, where he fell under the tractor. And the tractor rolled right over top and hardly touched him. He was down in a, a, a low spot in the ground, so the tractor rolled right over and didn't come down on him with all the weight of the tractor. He did have a couple marks on his back from the tire tracks and, and the, the implement that was behind it uh, scratched his back as a drug over top of him. But other than a couple marks and scratches, he was perfectly fine. He was essentially unharmed by this. And now, being the drama queen that my brother is, he kind of played it up a little bit. And he liked to uh, allow us to be worried for him, but eventually we realized that he was fine. That, that God had protected him. And the concern and worry and anxiety that was gripping us at the moment was relieved. That he was fine. That we got the report that he was unharmed. That there was no problem. We all breathed a great sigh of relief when we saw this. Another example that I thought of that happens more often in my life is often when Chelsea, my wife, goes somewhere... Without me, I just always have a concern in the back of my mind of how she's doing, of, of her well-being. How, how is she? I'm not there with her, so I don't know exactly how she is at the time. And like the other night, uh, Thursday night, uh, Chelsea drove down to Philadelphia to pick up her sister who flew in uh, to visit us this weekend. And so this is a couple-hour drive uh, each way, so I was just kind of concerned. So I'd call and check in on her once in a while. Well as happens occasionally and more often than I'd like, sometimes Chelsea doesn't answer the phone. So I call to check in on my wife and she doesn't answer the phone. So what immediately comes to my mind? Oh no, there's something wrong. I need to find out how she is. So I'll give it a few minutes and I'll call again. And eventually she'll either pick up her phone or call me back and, and, and relieve my anxiety, my worries. But in that moment... I feel anxious, and then I feel that relief when I hear that good report, that good news that she's okay. And now I'm sure we've all felt this, um, this sort of relief at some point in life. And this is exactly what we see in Paul here in Thessalonians. And we saw a few weeks ago, back in chapter 2, 
that Paul had been torn away from the Thessalonians. And we even look back in, in Acts where we saw the, the story of Paul planting the church in Thessalonica and how he was basically driven out of town by those who didn't like what he was saying. We see, we turn back to chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. He says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, not in, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly to be and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. So we saw, see Paul was so concerned about them, he needed to know how they were doing. He was driven out of town by those who opposed what he was saying, what he was teaching. And now he's concerned about the ones he left there. How are they doing? If they didn't like me and what I was teaching, how were they going to like those who believed what I said? And then we saw last week in the first part of chapter 3 that, that Paul was so concerned that he was willing to send his, his brother in Christ, his helper, Timothy. He was willing to be left alone in Athens, which was no less hostile to the Gospel. He was willing to be left there and send Timothy to find out how these guys were doing, how, how the Thessalonians were doing. And we see that in, in, in chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, and that no one, no one would be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you that beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when we could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So that's kind of where we left off last week, that Paul was so concerned about how they were doing that he needed to find out. So that brings us to verse 6, where we will start this morning. And verse 6 says, But now Timothy has come to us from you and has brought good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. See, this verse starts with, But now. And this refers back to what Paul had been talking about before of his concern for them. And it shows a contrast between the anxiety that he was feeling for these believers that he had left behind. And then contrast that with the report that he got from Timothy. The good news he received. He just described how concerned he was, but now he has new information. And Timothy has brought good news. And this, interestingly, this Greek word that's used is, is euangelizo. It's, it's the, where we get the term evangelism. It's in, in fact, every other time this word is used in the New Testament, it's talking about sharing the Gospel. Sharing the good news of Christ. But here, while the content of the news is different, Paul is no less excited about the, the news that he received. And not only did Timothy bring back a report, it was great news. So what was the good news that he received? Well, the good news is that these Thessalonians that he left behind after being driven out of town, that they had faith and they had love. Now, given their previous circumstances, Paul was worried that this church might have been influenced by the opposition that they were facing. And he was concerned that either they hadn't remained faithful to the gospel that they'd been taught, or perhaps they were corrupted by an outside influence. 
But to Paul's relief, he heard that they were found faithful. That they had remained faithful to what Paul taught them. or They had remained faithful to the Gospel. Not only that, they were found to have love. This love is the proof that they have faith. Not only they have faith, but they had love for each other. And this would have been the best possible news for Paul to hear. That the believers that he left behind under great opposition still remained faithful and they still had love. But not only that, Timothy reported that they always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. Timothy reported that they had a good reputation still with these believers. Now, I'm sure Paul was worried that they would have been thought of as deserters so that they were they left when it got tough. And, and Paul and Silas, they, they can't stand up to opposition because as soon as it got tough, they left. And I'm sure they, they were worried that they had this type of reputation with them. But no, that's not what Timothy says. He says, Timothy said we had that you remember us kindly, that they were remembered with affection, that they had a good reputation still with these believers. And this, and this indeed was a, a very good report that Timothy brings back to Paul. And we see in verse 7, it says, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Paul is comforted by this report. He's comforted by this good news that they received. It's a rare thing anymore to be comforted by the news, isn't it? I'm sure in Paul's time, similar things were happening. All the hardships that Paul faced, all the times that his life was in danger. I'm sure Paul was happy to hear some good news too. Notice though that Paul didn't look to the world for good news, for comforting news. Paul didn't open his Roman Times newspaper and read the news. Paul didn't turn on the Roman nightly news channel and see what was going on and be comforted by that news. No. Paul found his comfort in the good news of the faith of his fellow brothers in Christ, his fellow believers. Paul was encouraged by his fellow believers. Paul found hope in the church of Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. Paul found his hope and encouragement in the church. In the report of his brothers and sisters and how they were growing in their faith and in their love. This is why the gathering of the church is so vital for the Christian. This is why in Hebrews we're commanded to gather consistently. It says, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Why? We need to find our encouragement and hope in Christ and the fellowship of believers. Now, when we had to shut down our church for several weeks because of the coronavirus, we felt this, right? I know I did. I missed gathering. I missed seeing my brothers and sisters in Christ. I remember the joy and encouragement that I felt that first week that we could come back and I could see everyone and find out how everyone's doing. This is why we are commanded to gather. This is why we have to gather as the church. Now the technology that we have to be able to broadcast 
our service online for those who can't gather or, or can't make the service that week, that's a great thing. But we need more than what that provides. We can't do online church all the time. We need to be gathering. We need each other. We need the community that we have together. We need to find our encouragement in our fellow believers. We need that connection. We need that fellowship. And Paul continues to describe the joy that he felt from this after hearing Timothy's report. And he continues in verse 8, he says, For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. Now we live, is what he says. Some versions might say, For now we are alive again. Or, For now we are really living. Paul is saying that this good report has made his previous concern for them feel like death. But now he's got this good news. Now he's really living. And it wasn't just this removal of anxiety that, oh, now I'm not worried anymore. No, it's now I'm rejoicing. I've heard this good news about the Thessalonian believers, that they're a good church, that they're a strong church, that they're growing in their faith, they're growing in their love. And now I'm really living. Now I'm rejoicing in that fact. And why was he really living? If you stand firm in the Lord. And that was the source of Paul's comfort. That they were standing firm in the Lord. Paul knew that they must have been facing persecution just like he did when he was there. But despite this persecution, they were standing firm. And here, standing firm means to be committed in conviction or belief. Be committed to your convictions. Committed to what you believe. That's what these Thessalonians were feeling. This is, this is how they were being described. This, this can be rare today. That, that Christians are committed to their convictions. Committed to their beliefs. It's almost as if many Christians are ashamed of what they believe. They're ashamed of what God's Word says. This is not what Paul was rejoicing in. I mean, just listen to what, what many uh, especially popular voices in, in Christianity are saying today. They're questioning what God says in the Bible. Did God really say that homosexuality is wrong? Yeah, He did. Did God really say that marriage is between a man and a woman? Yes, He did. Did God really say that abortion is wrong? Yes, He did. Did God really say that the, the solution for racism is found in the Gospel and that we are brought together by our faith in Christ? And that all of our differences are left behind. Yeah, he did. And don't be ashamed of that. Stand firm in Christ. Stand firm on what you believe. Paul's saying, if you stand firm, now we're really living. These questions that Christians are asking are the same question that Satan asked in the, in the garden. Did God really say? 
Did God really say that? Did He really mean that? Yeah, He did. Don't be ashamed of that. This is also an encouragement for the Thessalonians to continue to stand firm. You notice this is a conditional statement. He's saying, we really live if you are standing firm. Not only was Paul encouraged by this good report, but he wanted, he would really be living if they continue to stand on these commitments. They continue to stand on their convictions and their faith. Paul knew that persecution wasn't just behind them. That they would continually face these questions, these influences from the world. These influence from the Judaizers that were questioning what they were saying, what Paul was saying. This can't be right. This isn't what we believe. Well, this is what the Gospel is. He continues in verse 9. He says, he starts to a prayer for the, the Thessalonians. And he says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. Again, here Paul starts his prayer for the Thessalonians and he starts with thanksgiving. He's thankful. Thankful for them. And he's specifically thankful for the joy that he feels on their behalf. He says, what thanksgiving can we return to God? Or some versions might say, how can we thank God enough for what we feel for you? For the joy that we feel on your behalf. How can we thank God enough? In verse 10, he continues, as we pray most earnestly day and night that we might see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul and, Paul and Silas and his companions pray consistently for these Thessalonians. It says night and day they are praying for them. It doesn't mean Paul's praying 24-7 every minute of every day. What he's saying is he pray, prays for them consistently. He remembers them constantly in their, when he prays. The Thessalonians were continually on his mind in his prayers. Paul prayed that they would be able to see the Thessalonians face to face. That be able to supply what was lacking in their faith. Now this could have been some questions that the Thessalonians had about the Bible or about their faith. Some questions that Paul could help answer. Or maybe it was just encouragement that they needed. Whatever they needed, Paul wanted to be there to help them. And you can see Paul has a fatherly type of concern for these believers. He wants to be able to take care of their needs. He wants to be able to look out for them. Verse 11, he continues, he says, Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Paul prays that God would direct their way back to the Thessalonians. Paul lived completely dependent on the sovereignty of God. Paul knows that it's not just, oh, I'm going to go to Thessalonica today. and He knows that, that God has to direct His way. That God has to provide those circumstances. That he was living fully dependent on, on what God had for him in, in life. And you see here, Paul is asking God for something that he wants. But his want is others-focused. Paul wants to come back and see the Thessalonians so he could serve them. So that he could give them what they need. Verse 12 continues, it says, And may the Lord 
make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you. Paul is asking that God would supply what the Thessalonians need. He, know they, he knows they need to keep growing in Christ and in Christ's likeness. Now notice, he already thanked God for the joy that he had because of their faith and love that he described earlier. So he's not praying that God would give them faith and love because they don't have any. No, he already said that they have faith and love. But he wants them to increase and abound in love. Paul knew that they needed to keep growing. And so do we. We can always grow in our love. We can always increase and abound in our love. And Paul prays for that. And we need to pray for that. We don't just love one another once and say, okay, that's enough. I loved you. That's past now. No. We continually love one another in all that we do. And then Paul says, as we do for you. I'm praying that you guys will grow in love for one another as we are. He's giving himself as an example. And Paul's love is on full display for these people in this passage. That Paul really loves these believers. And he wants them to have that. He wants them to grow in that. Paul's Paul's love is on full display and he wants them to imitate him. He was overjoyed to hear the report of their well-being and growth in faith and love. And now he's asking that they would continue to grow and imitate him in their love for one another. And then Paul ends his prayer here and says, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. He starts this verse with, so that. So why do they need to continue to increase and abound in love? Why did he pray for that? So that their hearts will be established. Blameless and holiness. This is sanctification. Paul is praying that they would continue to grow in Christ's likeness and continue to be purified by Christ. This is a future hope. We know that sanctification will not fully happen until we see Christ come back. That sanctification is a process that we go through as believers. That, that God grows us in Christ's likeness and we put sin out of our life and we grow to be more loving and more like Christ. We always have room to grow. And we will not arrive at sanctification until Jesus returns. But Paul still prays that they would grow. And that's what the rest of this book, this letter to the Thessalonians, is about. He provides instruction on how they can grow, how they can live holy lives, how they can be, be growing in sanctification, how they can be Christ-like. And Pastor Scott will get more into that next week as, as chapter 4 starts into living a life pleasing to God. But here he's reminding them of their future hope. Isn't that Christ is coming back. And that they will be holy. They will be established, blameless and in holiness before Christ. What he's doing is he's reminding them of where their hope is found. Their hope is not found in anything on this earth. And neither is ours. Our hope is found in Christ. And the fact that Christ is coming back. 
So here we see Paul express his, his encouragement in the report that he heard. But then he also prays for these believers. He's encouraged by the growth that they've shown. And he's encouraged by his fellow believers. But then he also prays that they would continue that. That they would continue to grow. So, where do you find your joy and your hope? Well, Paul shows us an, ex- uh, an example of where to find joy and hope. Paul is encouraged by this good news that he received. Paul is encouraged by his fellow believers and that they were growing, that they had faith and they had love and they were growing despite difficult circumstances, despite persecution. They were growing. Are you encouraged by these things? Are you encouraged by your fellow believers? You should be. If not, ask yourself a few questions. Are you, are you consistently surrounding yourself with believers who can encourage you? Do you see the importance of regularly gathering with your fellow believers? Do you see the importance of being together with like-minded believers in Christ? Do you see the importance of seeing each other face-to-face and encouraging one another? It's where we find our hope and encouragement. And if you are gathering with the church and not finding encouragement, why? Why not? Notice Paul's focus in his encouragement was on others, was on the growth of others, on their well-being. So when you gather with other believers, what's your focus on? When you come to church on Sunday, what's your focus on? Is your focus on what I'm getting from church? On on the songs we're singing or the, the message that was preached or how good the coffee was or whatever it is? What are you focused on? The gathering of the church is where we can get the focus off ourselves and place the focus on God in our worship and on others in our fellowship. This is where we can find encouragement and hope like Paul did. Are you encouraged by your fellow believers? You should be. Then we see Paul's prayer here at the end of this passage. And as always, when we find, especially in Paul's writing, his prayers, it's a good thing to stop and ask yourself, do I pray like this? Am I praying like Paul prays? Because that's why he puts his prayers in Scripture. It's to give us an example. To show us what to pray for. So do you pray for these things? Paul thanked God for the joy that he felt for his fellow believers. Do you thank God for the joy that you're given by your fellow believers? The joy that you feel at church on Sunday or in the middle of the week when you gather with other believers? Do you, do you, do you realize the joy that you feel and do you thank God for that? Do you thank God for the growth that you see in other people? Do you thank God for the faith that other people have 
but the, for the love that other people have. That's what Paul prayed for. Do we pray for these things? Paul prayed day and night. Which means, as we talked about, he prayed consistently. These people were constantly on his mind. So do we pray consistently for other people? Think about your, your daily prayer life. What do you pray for? Is your, is your prayer mostly focused on yourself and, and what you have going on that day and, and what you need? And it's good to pray to God for those things. It is. But is that all you're praying for? Paul prayed for what his fellow believers needed to grow in love and holiness. Do you have a list of people that you pray for consistently? You should. I know this is an area that I need to continue to grow in, is to have a consistent prayer life where I'm praying for others on a consistent daily basis. What about our church? Do you pray for our church? Do you pray for North Valley? Do you pray for the growth of North Valley? And I don't just mean growth in numbers, although that's a great thing to pray for, that we would see more people from our community come through the door and hear the Word of God preached. That's a great thing to pray for. Pray that we would have more opportunities to, to share the good news, to share the Gospel, and to invite people to our church. That's a great thing to pray for. But do you pray for the spiritual growth of North Valley? Do you pray for the growth of the people that go to North Valley? The people that you see every week on Sunday? Do you pray for growth in faith and love like Paul did? And then lastly, Paul provides us hope in his prayer. Where do you find your hope? What are the things that make you excited, that give you encouragement, that help you get up every day and, and go about your business? What are the things you find hope in? Paul reminded these believers in the hope of Jesus, the hope that Jesus is returning, and that as you grow in Christ's likeness, you are being made blameless in holiness before Christ when he returns with all of his saints. So do you look to the return of Jesus as your hope? That's what we have as Christians. That Jesus is coming back. That's where our hope is. If He wasn't coming back, then what hope would we have? But we have hope. Jesus is coming back. And in closing, we see in this passage that Paul provides us great hope. And reason for encouragement. He finds great encouragement and hope in the good news that Timothy brought back. That Timothy reported to him. The Thessalonians are doing well. The Thessalonians are growing. They have faith still. They're, they're growing in love. That was the good news that Paul found encouragement in. We need to find encouragement in the same things. Do we find encouragement in our fellow believers? This is why we're commanded to gather together as a church. We are commanded in Scripture to preach the Word and to sing together, but also together. It's not just for the preaching, although that's a big part of it. It's not just for the singing, although that's a big part of it. 
It's also for the fellowship, for the encouragement that we find in each other. We need to regularly see each other and encourage one another to keep growing in our faith, to keep growing in love, just like Paul did. And then we see at the end of this passage that Paul prays for this church. We need to be praying for things like Paul did. Paul gives us prayers in his letters as an example. We need to be praying for the things that Paul did. We need to pray for our church. Do you pray for North Valley? You should. Add it to your daily prayer list. Add individuals from church to your daily prayer list. We need to pray for each other. We need to keep our eyes fixed on the return of Jesus. There's a lot of things in this world right now that can get you discouraged. A lot of things that will take away your hope. I can't think of one thing in this world that's worth putting hope in. Especially as we have an election coming up. I can't think of anything that gives me hope other than Jesus. Jesus alone. Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is our King. Find your hope in that and not in anything else. That's our only source of hope in this world. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of North Valley Baptist Church. For the complete sermon archive and more information about the church, please go to visitnvbc.com.